Welcome to the Whitefields Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, including location and service times, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. If you are blessed by this message, please consider sharing it with others and leaving a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. All right. In the Gospel of Luke, we read this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the inn. This is God's word. Well, today we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the one man whose life has changed the world more than anyone else who's ever lived. I mean, think about it. More songs have been sung about this one man. More books have been written. More lives have been dedicated to the service of this one man than anyone else who ever lived in all of history. His life is so significant that we divide all of history based on the period before him and the period after him. That's how impactful his life is has been for our world. And yet, who was this man and why was he so impactful? Well, it's interesting to think about because he was a man who was never rich. He never wrote a book. He never had a child. He never owned a home. He was born into a working class family. He spent most of his life living in a small rural town, working as a builder in obscurity. And so what is it that makes this person, Jesus, worthy of our attention, worthy of stopping everything we're doing to celebrate on Christmas? What makes him worthy of our devotion and our worship and our celebration? Well, in our study today, we're going to see that what makes Jesus worthy of all of these things is that Jesus is our Redeemer. The title of today's message is Jesus, Our Redeemer. And what we're going to see in our study today in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5 is that in Jesus, God became one of us in order to redeem us from sin and death and give us the light of life. So that's our Christmas message today. In Jesus, God became one of us in order to redeem us from sin and death and give us the light of life. So we'll break that into two parts, and we'll go through it in our study today. So in Jesus, God became one of us in order to redeem us from sin and death. Here's how the Bible describes the significance of Jesus' birth in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. It says this, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Notice how the verse begins. When the fullness of time had come. What this phrase communicates is that Jesus' coming was the fulfillment of what everything up until that point had been building up to and anticipating. See, the birth of Jesus was the culmination of what God had been doing throughout history and what people were eagerly awaiting and anticipating for years, decades, even centuries and millennia up until that point. 
Now, how many of you know what it's like to eagerly await something? Earlier this month, I ordered something online. It was something that I was, I was pretty excited about. Like I actually ordered two of them because I ordered one as a gift for a friend and one for myself. So I ordered these things like way ahead of time. I even marked it on my calendar. That's how excited I was. It was supposed to arrive on Friday, and I was really excited. It was in my calendar. And then because of the cold, I got notified that it's not going to arrive until next week. So I was disappointed. But that sense of anticipation, you all know what it's like. You've all experienced it, waiting for something, looking forward to something, wondering when and if it's going to come. Anticipation is a big part of how we celebrate Christmas. We count down the days. We do things to prepare and get ready. So anticipation is a big part of how we celebrate Christmas, and I would say rightly so, because this is a big part of what Christmas is. It's part of this fact that Jesus came at the fullness of time. The birth of Jesus took place, as this verse tells us, in the fullness of time. Everything up until that point was looking forward to, waiting for, building up to this grand crescendo when this child would be finally born. You see, the Bible is not just a collection of random stories about Israel and other historic events which somehow give us some insights into God. Some people, if you'd ask them, what is the Bible? They might say, well, you know, it's a collection of stories about Israel and other things that give us insight into God. I would say, no, no, no. To see that is really to miss the point. The Bible is not just a random collection of of historical stories. The Bible itself is a story. It's a true story, which transpired over thousands of years of human history. But it's a story about one person, really. There are other characters in the story. There are other side stories within the story. But there's one big story that all the little stories together tell. And that is the story of a person a person whom God promised that he would send into the world to redeem the world from the curse of sin and death. In the very first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we're told about how God created the world and everything he created was good. And he placed our very first ancestors, the first man, the first woman, in a garden created specially for them. And he gave them a job to do. He gave them work to do. And yet they chose to do what actually all of us throughout history have also chosen to do. They rebelled against the God who created them. Instead of trusting in God and following his instructions, which were for their good, they chose instead to turn their backs on God and do what he had warned them not to do. And as a result, they opened a door to something tragic, a foreign element in this world, which affects all of our lives, even to this day, sin and the fruit of sin, which is death and separation. We experience the results of that curse every day as we see evil, sickness, sorrow, and death in the headlines, and also as these things touch our lives personally. And because of this, the Bible describes how all of creation, it says, is groaning. All of creation, including us, is groaning. You know what a groan is. A groan, that's the sound you make when you're enduring something that is difficult, something that is hard to endure. But here's the message of Christmas. There is hope because at the moment when the dark cloud of sin and death descended upon the earth, God spoke. He did not remain silent. He did not remain distant. God spoke and he declared that he was going to do something in order to fix the problem that we had created. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God promised that as the solution to this problem, here's what he was going to do. He would one day send a person 
a person who would come and fix this problem. But the person God promised to send, he said, here's how you will know that this is the one. He will be born in a way that no one else will ever be born. He will be born uniquely as the offspring of a woman, but not of a man. A woman, but not of a man. And so when he will come, God said, here's what he'll do. He will crush the head of the serpent, who is Satan. And he will free all of creation from its bondage to death, sorrow, and decay. And so from that moment on, there at the beginning of human history, starting with our, our first ancestors, there began this sense of anticipation, this sense of expectation, with people wondering in every generation, when will this person come, this promised person who will rescue us from evil and suffering and death? And as time went on, you can imagine just the devastating effects of evil in the world became more and more apparent, more and more pronounced. And people began to wonder all the more, how long? How long will it be until God sends us this Savior? How long will we have to wait until that day comes? It says in Proverbs 13, verse 12, it says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is the tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. There was hope, in other words, but the hope was deferred. And that process of waiting and anticipating and not knowing how long it will be, it makes your heart sick, doesn't it? And that's why in the Old Testament, the unanimous chorus of the people in the Old Testament, could be said to be this. The unanimous chorus, as they await for the coming of the Messiah, is, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? How long until this person comes who will save us from the power of sin and the curse of death? In Psalm 13, the psalmist, for example, says, how long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? You see, during this time, the people of Israel, they, they, it would include the prophets, for example. But what they did, they looked into, they inquired, they wondered about who this person would be and when he would come, what he would do and how he would bring salvation. There was this sense of anticipation. But then it says here in Galatians chapter 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. You know that, that phrase, sent forth, is actually one word in the Greek language. And what it means is sent forth on a mission, right? Somebody who's commissioned to go and do something, carry out a mission. Who was this son of God who was sent on this mission? Well, it says here in Galatians 4.4, 4, he was born of a woman, born under the law. Now, why does it mention that he was born of a woman? I mean, isn't everyone actually born of a woman? Well, on the one hand, it tells us that he was human. He was truly human. But perhaps more significantly, this phrase, born of a woman, you know what it is? It's a trigger. It's a throwback. It's, a, it's something to remind us, to trigger our memory of God's promise way back in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that he would send a Savior born of a woman, the offspring of a woman, but not of a man. Jesus is the Savior who God promised to send way back then when sin and death first entered the world. He's the one the prophets spoke about, the one who was hoped for and waited for, anticipated for thousands of years to save us from our sins. The prophet Isaiah had written, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall, be, shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
the name Emmanuel, it means God with us. God with us. What Isaiah, the prophet, was telling the people is that this promised Savior, the one born of a woman who was going to come to crush the head of the serpent, he would be born of a virgin and he would actually be God himself come to save us. And so we read that right before Jesus was born, God spoke to Joseph, who was betrothed to Mary through an angel in a dream. And he said, she, Mary, will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is significant. It means, literally, God saves and it goes on to say this, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this is what Christmas is about, that God himself came to us in the person of Jesus. He became one of us in order to redeem us. But let me ask you, how does God coming to us, how does that redeem us? Like, what does that actually do for us if God comes to us? Well, it says here in Galatians chapter 4, he was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. The law that Jesus was born under it could refer to the Jewish law, the law of Moses, meaning that Jesus was born as a Jew. Well, that's true. But perhaps more importantly, once again, it speaks rather of God's moral law. God's moral law, which applies to each and every one of us, irrespective of our ethnic background or our religious background. The fact is, every one of us, all of us, are accountable to God. We will have to answer to God for the things that we do in this life, whether good or bad. And this is important that Jesus was born under the law because the way that Jesus saves us, the way that he redeems us from sin and death was by being born as one of us under the law. As human, as human beings, you see, we've fallen short of God's perfect standard. We've sinned in regard to his law. We failed to live up to it. And as a result, we have incurred God's judgment. But the good news of Christmas is this, that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son on a mission. He was born of a woman, and he was born under the law to redeem us by doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, by fulfilling God's righteous requirements on our behalf, by living a sinless life, by dying in our place on the cross to take the judgment that we deserved so that instead of judgment, we could receive grace. The best word to describe what Jesus did for us is the word that's used here in this text, redemption. That's what he did for us. You know what it means to redeem something? I would say it like this. To redeem something means to take something which is dead, worthless, which has no value, and to infuse it with new life, to give it a new purpose, to give it value once again. In other words, to redeem something is to take something which is destined for the trash heap and to save it by giving it a new purpose and giving it new life. Many of you this Christmas, perhaps you've received gift cards. Well, listen, those gift cards, you realize that unless you redeem them, they really are nothing than useless plastic, useless pieces of paper. But if you redeem them, then they have value. You see, in the same way, we were destined for darkness and death, but Jesus came to save us by giving us new life. That's why Christmas is good news. It means that Jesus came to rescue you from sin and death to redeem your life because he loves you. 
And now your life can have value and purpose both now and for eternity. So let's look at the second part of that statement I gave you earlier. In Jesus, God became one of us in order to redeem us from sin and death, but also to give us the light of life. Here's what happens as a result of God redeeming us in Jesus. It says here in Galatians 4. It says that Jesus came to redeem our lives. Why? So that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, what that means is that God doesn't just want to save you from judgment. He wants to do something much more than that. One big step beyond that. He wants to bring you into his family. He wants to bring you into the most intimate relationship with him that is possible. Think about it, all of us, right? We have different levels of relationships. We have acquaintances. You might have people that you work with, neighbors, etc. But there are certain things, certain discussions, certain gatherings, which are reserved only for family. Now, that's the closest level of relationship. Now, some of you might say, well, I don't know. I'm not super close to my family. I'm closer to my friends. But here's the thing. When you're really close to your friends, what do you say? You say, oh, they're so close. They're like family. You know what that does? Again, again, even by acknowledging that, what you're saying is that family has a unique and special relationship. And that's the point here. The reason God came to us and became one of us in order to redeem us was so that he could make us his family, bring us into that closest, most intimate circle level of relationship. The fact that Jesus was human is important because as a human, he was able to do for us what we as humans have failed to do, which is living up to God's standard. But the fact that Jesus was God Now, that's also really important because it means that the actions of Jesus are actually the actions of God. It is actually God himself who came to us to save us and redeem us. He didn't delegate it to somebody else. He didn't say, you take care of this while I stay here. No, no, no. He himself, the righteous judge, came and took the judgment in our place for us. Only he could do that, and he did it for you because he loves you. We read in John's gospel, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The fact that we become children of God, it says in Galatians chapter four, that it's through adoption, that, that's significant as well, because what it means, what it tells us, is that becoming a child of God is not something that happens naturally. Rather, it's something that happens as a result of a process and as a result of a choice. You know, an adopted child has a benefit in, in a way that a naturally born child doesn't have. In this sense, the adopted child knows that their parents chose them and that they didn't have to. They didn't have to be their parents. They chose to be their parents. They made a choice. In the same way, to be adopted by God means that God chose to place his love upon you. He didn't have to. He chose to. He chose to welcome you as his child. And adoption happens also, not just by choice, but also as a result of a process. In this case, it happens as we receive Jesus and believe in him. 
as we embrace him as the savior we need and trust that what he's done is sufficient to save us. You see, as that happens, you become a child of God and you receive adoption as sons. Now, some of you might bristle at that word, sons. You say, oh, so archaic, right? So, you know, this isn't cool. It should say sons and daughters. We should fix the text so that it says not just sons, but maybe children as like in that way. Well, there are some verses that say children, but this one says sons. And you know why it's important that we don't go in and change that is because that word actually has significance here. And here's why. Because in the Roman Empire, in the culture that this was written to, sons had rights that daughters did not have. Specifically, sons could receive inheritance. Sons were heirs, whereas daughters were not. In other words, this is actually really empowering because it means that whether you're a man or a woman, when you put your faith in Jesus, you receive an inheritance. And that's what this passage actually goes on to say. If you look at verses six and seven, it says, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his sons, in, His son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So having been adopted by God, not only are you brought into a relationship with God, but you receive an inheritance from God, eternal life in your Father's kingdom. This is the hope and the promise of Christmas. This is God's gift to you. And the way to receive this gift is by embracing and following, believing in Jesus, the long-awaited Savior. God come to us to redeem us, to bring us into relationship with him so we could have eternal life. The truest way to celebrate Christmas is by receiving that gift of God's grace and experiencing the joy of knowing him and the hope of eternal life. Friends, in Jesus, God became one of us in order to redeem us from sin and death and give us the light of life. Would you please bow your heads with me and let's pray. Lord, we thank you for coming to us and redeeming us. Thank you for doing this work for us, for not leaving us in darkness, lost forever. But Lord, thank you for coming to us to redeem us and give us new life. Lord, thank you for adopting us into your family. Lord, thank you that we get to live in this time and place where you have come already in the fullness of time. You've made it clear. You've revealed yourself to us. Lord, you've done everything for us to save us. And now, Lord, it is upon us to look to you, to trust in you, and to give our lives to you. So Lord, this morning, as uh, we reflect on this, this Christmas morning, how you came into this world in love for us, Lord, that is how we respond. I pray for those gathered here today that truly we would understand the spirit of Christmas and we would celebrate Christmas by receiving your gift to us, the gift of grace and redemption in Jesus Christ. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com. Make sure to tap the subscribe button if you would like to have new messages delivered to your device every week when they are released. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support our ministry, you can do so by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or by giving a donation to our church on our website at whitefieldschurch.com.